Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Media days are over. The preseason is right around the corner. It starts next week. How crazy is that? It actually starts on Sunday. It's even crazier. It's Brooklyn Nets and Los Angeles Lakers. Woo-hoo-hoo. I'm sure all the stars will be involved in that one. But guys, 2021-22 season is officially off and running. And by the time that this is done recording, we will be one step closer to October. Means it's spooky season. Means it's getting a little colder out. A little brisker, leaves are falling. That also means it's still football season. Had to make one note there. Final score between your Cleveland Browns and Chicago Bears, 26 to 6. I won the bet that wasn't even made on the podcast, but I just wanted to rub that into Brian's face as he listens to this and I see his facial expressions. I'm sure that we'll get to that. I will be honest. I totally forgot, and I meant to do my research to pay up for my bet. And now I got I got to look it up. Um, can uh, quick story time. So this past weekend, I was on a weekend vacation with my wife, and we went out to uh, Western uh, North Carolina. Part of the reason why I agreed to go because my wife is a, a nature lover, and I have nothing against it, but it's football season, you know. So I told her, I am happy to go do whatever you want on on Friday and part of Saturday even. Sunday, I'm watching football. So my wife dropped me off at the casino that was in the area, and I watched football all afternoon from the casino. And and I got to watch my my bears um, melt down under the, um, mm, let's think of the the duress. The uh, attack, under the dogs the, getting uh, let out the cage, Miles Garrett, Jadavion Clowney, Jeremiah owusu The um, uncoaching of one Matt Nagy with uh, Justin Fields as quarterback. And, um, I mean, when you can rally up, what was it like? Was it one yard's worth of passing the entire It was one yard's worth of passing, but I will say it's because Justin Fields got sacked nine times. Right. And those sack yards go against passing yards. So he didn't really right. have one passing yard. He completed, I think, somewhere around 10 to 11. Right. But the sacks pretty much nullified any of those yards. Well, they kept in the game plan 
for um, Andy Dalton as quarterback. However, he was not the quarterback this week. It was uh, one Justin Fields. So, um, but I got to watch that. And I also got to watch, and I'm not even a fan the Ravens, but the way the Ravens won on the last second field goal, the longest field goal in NFL history, where, I mean, you had a room of over, it's a big room. I mean, it's casino sports book, right? Of over, I don't know, 100, 150 people, everybody watching this play, a lot of people having money on it too, go, oh, 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 high fives are flying everywhere we're all masked up everybody's just like you're a stranger you're a stranger high five me how about that i'm not a ravens fan Woo-hoo! i want money just everybody just just loving the moment as a browns fan i will say this one justin tucker is automatic and very well may be the greatest kicker of all time but number two there was a delay of game on that play yes there previously was that probably shouldn't have allowed them to take the field goal in the first place. But that's besides the point. Glad you had fun in uh, Western Carolina there, my friend. But this is not keeping it 100. This is keeping it 94, which means that we talk about the four lines and that leather orange basketball. I thought you wanted me to talk about what I did last night. Oh, you have another story? I do. We can go story time here again. Yeah. Let's so, go story time. I, I, what do we got to talk about anyway? What I know. We, we got plenty to talk about because it was NBA media day where it's that one day a year where everybody believes their, their, their team is nice and shiny and has a chance. Um, <laughs> but so uh, last night, you know, I live in the, the, the Raleigh-Durham area. So um, I was wondering how I'd be functioning today um, just because of the atmosphere I was in. I was curious about my, my voice and my hearing. And my voice, I think it's fine. My hearing probably will be fine in a couple of days. I saw Guns N' Roses last night. And uh, yeah, but yeah, all of that, man. Um, they played forever. Uh, so I was warned that they have a long set. Um, and it was indoor. You know, they were the only act. Or actually, you know, um, Eddie Van Halen's son, uh, Wolfgang Van Halen, his band Mammoth actually opened. But they played for like 45 minutes. Guns N' Roses came out on time, 8 p.m. Eastern. They played for three and a half hours straight. Three and a half hours. So, um, but it was a good long show. Yes, yeah, sounds and like a long show. It, it was, but it was it was a lot of fun. They still play great. Axel still sounds really, really good. I'm not saying it's peak Axel, but still very good. I was I was across from the stage upper deck and it was still loud as hell it was still super super loud so i was curious like how i'd be because you know you leave a show like that like you got that ringing in your ears a little bit um it's not as bad the worst one i ever went to i went to a venue which was indoor and we had like 1500 people i saw motorhead and i was on the floor like right in front of them and I did not bring any earplugs and I was tone deaf for three days. So I'm not even close to that, but uh, there's still a little bit of ringing, but I will survive. And I greatly enjoyed the, uh, the GNR experience. It will make it through. We'll make it through. I promise. Even though your bears lost. Yeah. I know, I'm looking up the Even words though. right now to the fight song as we speak. 
I don't even know how the I was supposed to do research. Here we go again. Always. It's the Cleveland Browns and it's first and ten. Or Is that how do, it goes? Or you could do Bernie Bernie. Bernie Bernie's another one. We'll have you sing it at the end of the show. How about that? We, we do that. That's uh, I gotta do it. I know. Yeah. Perfect. See a cooperation for everybody. You know who's not cooperating? I think that's a good good segue. You know who's not cooperating is 10% of the NBA. Because there were some stories from Media Day, and we'll talk about those ones more in depth. Uh, but we do have to hit this. Um, reportedly, 90% of the NBA is vaccinated. The other 10% are putting a hold on things. We know that Andrew Wiggins is not. We know that Michael Porter Jr. is, is not. We know that Bradley Beal is not, though he's open to it. We know that Jonathan Isaac is not. Uh, and we know that Kyrie Irving uh, is not. Now, reason being, uh, and I don't want to even get into the gritty details of this because I feel like you can see all of the reaction that's, that's going on publicly. Uh, but reason this is important is because those that are in New York City and in San Francisco, there are literally mandates saying that you can't be in these buildings unless you have at least one shot of vaccination. So uh, what stems from that is the league who admittedly can't mandate vaccination because the players association and the players union called it a non-starter in their negotiations for this year. So they can't mandate it. They can only strongly suggest it. But uh, if those that are in those cities that have uh, those vaccination mandates, they literally won't be able to play for half the season, which in turn, Mike Bass spokesman for the NBA said yesterday that players will not be paid for those 41 games. So now you put yourself in a real pickle um, if you're not vaccinated. And uh, again, I'm not going to go too far into it, but it is related to games because it's literally putting your team at a competitive disadvantage. Especially for somebody like a Kyrie Irving or an Andrew Wiggins, where now you're talking about missing all your home games. Plus, you're going to miss some games that are on the road as well when you're in those other cities. So you're talking about missing more than half the season. And like you said, it puts your team at a competitive disadvantage. And we can sit here and we can talk about the penalties when it comes to um, the money. And those players are in a position where it's a lot of money, but they understand that. Um, and they will be, you know, they will not be making those game checks. And I don't think they seem too concerned about it. I mean, Maybe once it actually hits them, they would be more concerned about it. But it's not just the money issue, too. It's when they go on the road with their teams, even in cities where they can play, they have to be tested uh, every day. I think it might even be multiple times a day. Um, there are strict rules that say they cannot uh, leave their hotel room except to go and practice and play in the game um, and to travel, obviously, to the plane that the team is traveling with. So there's other strict rules that are in play as well. So there's a lot of things that go into this. If you are not vaccinated and um, it's going to be a tricky thing, I think in some ways to walk in. I'm, I understand that the players association has said it was a, a non-starter. They didn't want to talk about forcing everybody to do it. 
I do wonder if they put it up for a vote, what would have happened? And even if they could have even done that and said, all right, everybody, we're going to put this to a vote that you have to get vaccinated. And if you, or you do not play this entire year, because obviously you can't force somebody to get it, but you can vote to say, if you are not vaccinated before the season, you are ineligible to play for the upcoming season and playoffs and you forfeit your salary. I, I'm curious that they would have done that. It would have, it would have been really, really a huge step for the Players Association to go there. And I think they did not want to get entangled in this. I think they're trying to put the impetus on other people and try to, you know, their job is protecting their players. And while it's only a small number of players that have not been vaccinated yet, um, I don't know how something like that would have even gone over. And it's every, you know, Every league has different rules. The NFL has covered this differently. Um, they've even said, like, if you have to miss a game, like there's going to be penalties when it comes to your team. They have to forfeit games. People have to forfeit money. So everybody's always going to be different. It's it's a tough spot because it can be um, a tough conversation to have, especially with some people who are still hesitant about getting vaccinated. Yep, 100%. Um, and we do know that there, there are, it's like CJ McCollum said too, uh, on Twitter He's like, you know, this is the story of media day, but don't bury the lead. You know, 90% is vaccinated and that's a very large amount still of people, you know, that you're, if you're not going to be able to, you know, convince the, the, the 10% and that's, you know, another story for another day, but, um, very much so. I think that there's still a lot of prominent players that have come out and said that, you know, they're, they're doing it, uh, you know, for their families and they're doing it for themselves and stuff like that. So I think that's like where the conversation needs to go. And, it, and it's not just an NBA thing. I think it is a whole thing for, you know, this country and for the world because so many different people are divided about so many different things. And it's very easy, I think, for people to point fingers at others, especially people that are against vaccine, getting vaccinated and you know, yelling at them and calling them names and different things. That's not going to help. That's probably just going to make people dig in even further. That is what has happened. What needs to happen is smart conversations about this and explaining to people, like, why are you hesitant? Here's why you shouldn't be hesitant. Or if you do not want to do it for yourself, do it for those that are around you, that are in your life. Because it's not just your family and friends, but you know, when you're in the NBA, you're around so many other people. There are so many other people that work within an organization. And I know that there was even a story out on ESPN where it said that there was some people that worked in organizations, you know, ball boys or, you know, a variety of different positions that were nervous about this, saying, hey, the team that I'm on or that I work for, they have a player or some other people that have not gotten vaccinated yet. And I'm worried because I don't want to bring this home to my family. Um, you know, my parents live with me. They're older. Um, I have a relative that's in our house that is immunocompromised, different things like that. So I think it's just a lot of having smart conversations um, with everybody and, you know, trying to make them feel more comfortable with the decision. And I think that's what's happened in some places like Damian Lillard has come out and he said, I did it for my family, but he had a very smart conversation about it, you know, and there's been some other guys too that are saying, Hey, we'd love for everybody to get vaccinated. They're not saying go do it necessarily, but they want to have that conversation. And that's something you have to do. I mean, even for the Lakers, like 
Uh, Kent Bazemore flat out admitted that he was very nervous about it, didn't want to do it, and didn't want to be forced to do it. Um, but he had a very frank and open conversation with Rob Polinka uh, about a week or two ago. And after that, and Rob did not tell him, you have to do it or you're not going to be part of this team. But after that, he decided to go and do it. And he has gotten his first shot, and he said he will have a second shot before the season begins. You know, um, And even somebody like Dwight Howard, who last year was very vocal about it, he won't say if he's gotten it or not, but we know that he did because the Lakers have said we are 100% vaccinated. So, you know, he's at least gotten one shot. And, you know, I, I know that he was hesitant, but I've got a feeling that he probably did it for the reasons of I want to be a part of this team. And I feel like we have a chance to do something special. So because of that, I will do it. And there's a variety of reasons to do it. And it's just, like I said, having, you know, frank, civil, smart conversations with, with everybody and no finger pointing and trying to make everybody feel comfortable. Exactly. Exactly. Don't get anywhere. And if you're just yelling at people that that's, that's not going to accomplish anything. Nope. Nope. All right, Brian, favorite subject of the week, weekly subject. Mm. You know what we're on. You know what we're on. We're on Ben time. We're on Ben time. Hey, guess what? Ben Simmons didn't show up to training camp. What? I know. I didn't see that coming. Huge news. Huge news. So, uh, Doc Rivers actually got to speak. Joel Embiid got to speak. Um, so what was your reactions to those? I know Doc got a little testy uh, with a reporter <laughs> uh, that uh, was, you know, basically asking him about Ben and you know, ended up shutting down the reporter and saying that he was in charge after another reporter tried to you do a, do a follow-up question. So uh, some tension there, some tension, a little bit. Uh, but I think... Um, you know, the story is going to be, you know, what what's Ben going to do and what's Philly going to do? Well, this is where we're at now because, you know, even last week I had kind of wondered, like, would this get to a situation where they say, all right, let's don't don't show up. You know, let's try to find a trade for you that works for both parties. In the meantime, we're not going to dock you pay, different things like that. Um, it looks like I, I was a bit naive because I don't think that's going to happen. And we are approaching the part where it looks like this could get really nasty. Um, you know, even Joel Embiid and some of his teammates, uh, Tobias Harris among them too, uh, they, they flat out told Ben, hey, we want to, we're going to take a plane ride and we're going to come visit you. Let's have a conversation. He's like, no, I have nothing against you guys, but <laughs> do, don't waste your time. Don't come on here. I'm not going to answer the door. I'm not letting you in. Okay. Nah, uh, <laughs> sh- give me old shake off, you know, like, yeah. So, I mean, that's the point. And, and there's been some, you know, pieces since then, uh, including from the athletic or talking about where he doesn't have anything against Joel Embiid personally, I guess he says, but he's basically said, I don't think we work together. We shouldn't be on the same team. Uh, there's talk that Ben wants an offense built around him on whatever team, which actually, if I can interrupt real quick, yes, uh, there was a little uh, quote here. Uh, from Joel Embiid uh, today, so two days after media day. Our teams have always been built around his needs, so it's just kind of surprising to see. Uh, This is in reaction to Ben saying that he wanted the ball in his hands. Even going back to the reason we signed Al Horford, uh, we got rid of Jimmy Butler, uh, which I still think was a mistake just to make sure that he needed the ball in his hands, referring to Ben Simmons. Mm. So, woo, woo, woo. 
Yeah. Mm. This is something like there's a lot of honesty that's being thrown around, I think. And some people can take it as, oh, look out, look, he's throwing fireballs. And I and I think it's more of just an honest thing because I, I think that the way that the Sixers will look at it is saying, well, we did a lot of things to care to you. And we could have said a lot more, but we haven't because we still like you and we still want you to be a part of this franchise. You know, whether it's for the long haul or whether it's for, um, you know, just to help his trade value. But and there's been some, you know, there's been all this talk up too about like, why don't they use them like the Bucks use Giannis? There was there was that conversation that came out this week too. And then I think at some points they did, and others they didn't. But here's the deal: Giannis does not have a Joel Embiid on his team with him. Okay, we know who's going to be the center point of the offense, and it should be Embiid. It doesn't mean that Ben can't work; it's just finding a role for him. But I mean. I don't know what team is going to sit there and say, hey, so there's this really talented guy who's awesome on defense, got some offensive game, especially at the break, incredible passer, can't shoot, not a good free throw shooter. Let's make him the focal point of the offense. I think that could be a very tough pill to swallow for a lot of places. But you know, we're at this point now where everybody's saying everything and – the team does not have to pay him and they might start doing that. I mean, uh, on Friday, Ben's contract is structured in a way where he is due 25%, which is, you know, eight and a quarter million dollars and the team might withhold it. We might not even know immediately because the team doesn't have to say this and I don't think they will. Um, and Ben doesn't have to say it. Now, could it come out? Of course, his camp, his, his agent, so somebody could put that out there. But that's when we're going to find out, like, is this going to get down and dirty or not? And all signs point to it getting pretty nasty. There's where you, you brought it up, man. It's going to get real, especially if Embiid's saying that already. It's like, what does he mean? The ball is in his hands all the time. <laughs> like, that's all they're gonna do is agit- they're gonna agitate Joel on this too. He's gonna get oh, yeah. he's gonna get upset. Well, a little side note too. This is gonna be something that that's gonna be very interesting because isn't there like um isn't there an owners meeting this week as well? All of the owners get together, and you would have to think this might be a point of conversation of saying, hey, so we got a guy that just starting out on a new four year contract <laughs> on a new four year contract, new four year extension paying him big money and he's trying to force a trade. What are you going to do about this, Adam? AKA Adam silver, the commissioner of the NBA. Yep. So uh, that might be something that is uh, brought up in conversation. Yeah, it would make sense. And you know, how far does it reach down? When's the first person that's, you know, in their second year going to force themselves out, you know, like, cause you know, it's coming. Like that's, that's the part that, that sucks. At least if you're a fan, um, for that, if you're taking betting odds, you're gonna see does, does Ben Simmons oh. get traded this year? And if he is, is he traded before December 15th? Because is is December 15th the date when all the other players that got signed uh, during the, the free offseason, agents, yeah, yeah can yep. get included? Mm-hmm. Some of it's January, just depending on uh, certain deals. But it's the 15th of both of those months. It's December okay. and it's January. So does he get traded this year? And do you think it's 
before or after December 15th? I think it's similar to what we saw with Harden last year, but just a little sooner. So yeah, December, like we'll go like around Christmas time. Oh, what a Christmas gift that would be. What a Christmas gift that would be. I don't know for who though. I don't <laughs> we'll know. Uh, rumored team that Simmons uh, has been linked to, by the way, uh, that we need to hit because we didn't hit them uh, last week. Timberwolves. So uh, shortly after we did our podcast. Once again. Uh, we, we, there was a huge piece of news that came out. Gerson Rosas out. Sachin Gupta in as president of basketball operations, uh, which completely caught Carl Anthony Towns off guard. And if you haven't had the chance to listen to him on media day, you have to listen to him. Uh, just sweeping emotions about his time in Minnesota. Like it was just like such genuine him pouring himself out, like about everything he's gone through. And he was just like, yeah, this was just, just add it to the list. Just add it to the list, you know? Um, a lot of people were taking it as, you know, cat wanting to, to leave or to, you know, ask out or something like that, but he's just really just wants some stability and he hasn't had stability his entire career, uh, because Minnesota is just not good at that. Um, but the wolves now they've got Gupta in, in charge, uh, Chris Finch coming back, D'Angelo Russell. I don't, I don't know where you know he fits into this with cat and you know this is where it gets mixy because now you don't have guys that drafted other players and those players from previous regimes are there that some guys that are in the new regime don't want like this is always how it goes when you change things up above and you know they introduced alex Rodriguez and mark lore um their new uh the, the new owners of the team at least ownerships of the stakes of the team uh, so what, what do you think happens with the wolves now that they have yet another change, but they have basically the same roster as their guys from previous times that's going to get traded is, are they going to try and keep it together until it doesn't work or what? Well, I think that anytime you get new ownership, they always want to do big splashy things yeah. because you could sit there and preach patience with them all the time and say, let's do things the right way. But they're always going to want to have a, their mark on the team and immediately. So, you know, Minnesota, like you said, is a team that's been linked with Ben Simmons. I don't know how aggressive they were in trying to go after him with, uh, with Rosas there as the guy in charge of basketball operations. Um, it sounds like it's something that other people in the organization want, though. So now, mind, mind you, the new ownership does not take over for another year, but it does not mean that they will not have an impact on future moves. Like when we talk about, you know, Sachin Gupta taking over um, basketball operations, that's not permanent yet. They're going to talk to other people. Um, and by the way, the Rosa story, what a wild story. Yeah, that you got to read that one. I don't want to go into it because it's very personal, yeah. but, I, but, but yeah, you got to I mean, read that one. Part of it, though, the the, the non-personal stuff, um, which I think is part of the impetus, so maybe it was kind of like there was a tipping point and they used that to say, okay, the scale has gone far enough, you know, to where let's move and get them out of here now. But it sure sounds like there was a lot of people that just did not believe in his style of leadership. 
Um, there was a quote from somebody that had come along with him um, from a previous regime and came with him and said, he's not the guy that I thought he was, which is a pretty damning you know, conversation. And by the way, Gupta, what a story it's been because he's been revered around the league as like an incredibly smart guy. And he's kind of bounced around the teams. It wasn't too long ago where he wanted to go to the Rockets for a similar position, but for more money. And Rosas blocked it. And not only did he block it, but he wouldn't let him in the building. I didn't know that, that of that story. And that's that is the twisted cool irony. Thing. My goodness. Unbelievable. It's craziness. And the only reason that he ended up staying with the organization uh, is because ownership got involved. Um, but it just sounds like, you know, there's just chaos once again. And they just need a calming presence. They need some stability. They need um, to figure out exactly what the path is, where they want to go, and they need to stick with that. And that's something we haven't seen from them. I mean, they've been scatterbrained with the different things that they've done, you know, when it comes to, you know, coaching, um, even last year. I mean, that was wild, you know, and how many coaches has Cat been through? Um, now you're talking about when it comes to who's in charge of basketball operations and what their vision for the team is. Now you've got an ownership change. So the best thing that they need is just get owners in there that hopefully get the right person that's in charge, stick with that person, have the vision and and go forward and see what you can get. Because um, we can sit here and talk about the roster all we want, but they need to know where everybody is coming from, from this. So it can come down to, Let's focus on what's going on on the court. I think there's been there's been divided attention on so many other places because they just can't you know get their you know ship in order basically. So hopefully they can do that so then they can focus on improving you know the the product on the court. Yeah, for sure. And you know I'm genuinely curious to see you know how Anthony Edwards comes along and you know Jaden McDaniels. Uh, you know they've got some really solid you know, young pieces there next to cat. I don't think they have nearly enough veterans. Nas Reed. I love, I love Nas Reed. Um, and I think that Finch did a decent job with them when he took over. I'd really do. I know the record might not look great. Um, but he got high marks but, though. And I, I think that he's a guy that's going to stick around at least for now. Yeah, no, and I he, think so too. He should. Malik I mean, Beasley's no longer going to be in any, you know, trouble. So he'll be playing. Um, like they've got, got pieces. I mean, I know it's the West, but I think that they can do, I think they think they can do some, some damage this year, just in the, in the lens of being in maybe the fight for a plan. I don't know. Maybe that's but, a little bit too high, but yeah. But does Ben Simmons make sense there? <sighs> well, cat uh, well, can shoot the, the heck out of the ball. Um, Joel Embiid can too, but he doesn't take nearly the amount of attempts that Cat did. You know, like Cat really lets that thing fly. Um, he's going to be playing more of like a four role anyway this year, you know, um, because Cat slimmed down. I don't know if you saw the the reports, but Cat slimmed down big time. Um, so he's down. Him and Jokic, I think, had a contest this off season to see who could lose more weight. <laughs> um. But, but I mean, he's going to be getting up and down. He, he talked about himself. Cat talked about himself. Uh, you know, 
changing his approach a little bit, you know, instead of being more versatile and stuff like that, maybe getting more physical with guys. Like it, it seems like he's really focused and understanding, you know, that things need to change a little bit uh, for him. Um, by the way, he's still only 25. If you can't believe that. Or I not. know he's been through uh, a lot these last couple of years though, personally. Oh, hundred percent. No, uh, no doubt, man. No doubt. Um, but Again, he's been nothing but loyal to to Minnesota, but that does his skill set fit with Ben's? I would say so, uh, just because of Cat's ability to stretch the floor. He's less of a post presence, um, a little bit more finesse, you could say. Um, I don't know what. I think they yeah, could work. I don't know what trade could get it done. It feels like there would have to be a third team involved. Yeah, because Ben makes too, way too much money, and again. That's the difficulty of when somebody asks out after signing a contract. There's not enough players that they can get in this deal to match what you make. And you have to probably find a taker for Giangelo Russell, which is easier said than done. And on top of that, they owe Golden State. Do they still owe Golden State a first-round pick? Or that was paid off? That was paid off. I know it was one of them was paid off last yep. year if there's not multiple. Yeah, there was just the one. But, I mean, they, they just gave up a prime pick. Yep. It turned into Jonathan Kuminga. Yes. Yep. So, um, at least they got that off the books. But, I mean, that that was a tough pill to swallow. Mm-hmm. No question. No question. So, you wanted to uh, hit on the lineup changes here. Because uh, I was trying to kid. think of interesting stories that came out of camp. Yeah, you know, no, and, yeah. I mean, there, there was, yeah, I mean, other than you know the vaccination, you know, hoopla and stuff like that. There, there were some things that, uh, you know, stuck out. So you have a couple well, here. Let's do this first because you went to Cavs Media Day. Okay, you want to start with that? Yeah, gotcha. Tell me about Cavs Media Day. Uh, first of all, just great being back in the building. Uh, hard Did they have believe. a banner up with your name? Welcome back, Spin, or uh. Maybe a few more years. Maybe okay. a few more years. Maybe for my tenth anniversary. Did the players so high five you? Did the players high five you? Don't. That's something you do not want as a journalist to go in there and the players like, "Hey, it's my guy." High five. You know, like. Eh. I know some players like that, but we do that. We we yeah. don't do that in the work environment. Right. It's um, just kind of like, "Hey, good to see you, buddy." Yeah, for sure, for sure. Just a couple of daps, you know. Um, mm -hmm. but everyone was in good, you know, good spirits, good moods. Uh, Jared Allen was walking around with a disposable camera. Guys dressing up a little bit. Kevin Love looked like he was just like going through the motions. It was actually really funny. <laughs> uh, but I mean, who could blame the guy? Uh, but I mean, if you really want the the you know summation of it, is basically you know my angle going into this media day was asking them straight up. I'm like, okay, you have the continuity now. You have your young core who's been growing together. You guys are young. There's a lot of guys in their early twenties. But those are guys that also have some experience now and they have some, you know, dealing with adversity. They've gone through losing streaks. They've gone through injuries. What's it going to take for you to put it together? You guys have been talking for a couple of years now about doing this. When it comes to April and May, what does it take for you to get to take that next step and to actually accomplish what you're setting out to do? And the consent attitude from everybody coaches players even the team members there that that work for the operations crew all of them are like 
All right, no more excuses, man. No more excuses. Um, we're fed up. Last year was last year. The year before that was the year before that. This is now. There's a fire in these guys' eyes. Um, you know, 15 guys showed up in August to go and do, you know, runs in the gym. Um, accountability. That's a word that was that came up at the the Cavs team dinner the night before media day. And Colin Sexton brought it up. He said, we all have to hold each other accountable. It's a simple thing to say. But can you do it? Can you put it into action? Just like putting the team into action, it's gonna, it's probably going to take maybe you know a couple of weeks, especially, I don't know if you see their schedule, the first freaking uh, you know two weeks, they're already going west and taking on some really difficult competition. But uh, that said, I, I come away with good vibes. Um, you know, we hear it every year. Uh, this is different. This is different. Um, you know, last year I, I, I knew that they wouldn't be in the, the play in conversation just because they didn't have the, the correct roster, but now they went out and made some changes, man. They, you know, you bring in Ricky Rubio, who's a very well-respected veteran and a backup point guard, something they've been lacking for three, four years. Um, Especially, I mean, it's basically like, you know, they had Delhi for those those years, but you now replace that with somebody who is a little bit more productive um, in addition to having a voice like that. Uh, I think, you know, bringing in a guy like Lowry Markinen, somebody who probably feels like, hey, another man's trash is another man's treasure. I'm guessing that's his attitude. Um, but he seemed very excited, uh, very upbeat. Uh, you know, they brought in a couple guys on training camp deals. I'm curious to see what happens with Denzel Valentine because the Cavs don't really have that many wings. I know he's a little bit shorter, but he's got some length to him, playmaking abilities, and he's shown flashes before on Chicago before his roles got diminished, whether it was the coaching changes or just falling out of the rotation because someone ahead of him. Uh, Really curious to see how the the front court situation goes. You have Evan Mobley, you have Jared Allen, just mentioned Markinen. Kevin Love, probably going to be spot minutes guy, you know, which is interesting. Um, and then, you know, you obviously talk about the guards, Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, Isaac Okoro, just taking another step. Colin Sexton's going into year four. He is still kind of in negotiations with the Cavs for an extension. A lot of people, um, you know, thought that he might get the max. And after you look at Michael Porter Jr. making $207 million over five years, that that could translate over to Colin. And that's probably what his camp is pushing for. I don't think he's going to get that. And if they don't come to an agreement, then he'll just be a restricted free agent after the end of the season. Uh, Darius Garland, I think, is going to be another person that that makes a leap uh, after the Team USA select team. Uh, just being out in Vegas with the guys, becoming more of a vocal leader. I think that those two together are still your, your nucleus essentially. Um, and then a lot of eyes will be on Evan Mobley, but he's a, you know, he's a rookie. So it's going to take some time offensively for him uh, to get right. But and they've got pieces. They do. They have individual talent. There's no, no one can't say that they don't have individual talent because they have guys that are on the come up. It's just making that like next leap. It's getting to, 31, 32, 33 wins, I think would be 
a good goal for them. Now, their goal is to make the plan, make the playoffs, as it should be. If you say anything less than that, then you're not supposed to be in pro sports. But if you're looking at me for a prediction, I'm saying somewhere between 31 to 33 wins. And an eye towards the postseason is how general manager Kobe Altman put it. An eye towards the postseason doesn't want to put a number on expectations. But um, I'm interested. I am. I'm interested. And I think uh, it's one of the more intriguing teams in the NBA, to be honest with you. I mean, they've got some interesting pieces, like you said. Let's see if they can grow a little bit more, how quickly Mobley has an impact on this team, how it all gels with that front line as well, because you've got Jared Allen, you got Lori marketing and, and you've got Evan Mobley. But um, the other thing is too, I mean, they're going to be in the tough Eastern conference where, you know, they've, they've got a tougher schedule because of that. And it's going to be tougher to get into the playoffs, I think. So listen um, to how they start their season, by the way. No, man. I, I just want to, I just want to run you through the way this, this just yeah. starts off the bat. Okay. So you start at Memphis on the uh, October 20th. You're home against Charlotte. You're home against Atlanta. Then you go on this brutal road trip at Denver, at Clippers, at Lakers, at Suns, and then at Hornets, and then you're back home and you face the Blazers. But still, That's a five-game road trip that early on in the season out west? Right. That's, right. And, oh. and and the team spoke about that at media day. <laughs> go, go like, me. who made this schedule? It was like, who did this to us? We were trying to get some momentum, and you kick us off like this. You already play the Clippers and, Clippers and Lakers in October. It's hilarious. And that's the tough thing, because, I mean, you could look at it like, okay, it's we got it out of the way. But then at the same time, you could say, man, we're trying to get off to a good start to get our hopes up and get some positive vibes. And you're sending us out west for a really tough road trip. Yeah. Yeah, that's not an easy one. It yeah, certainly is you you mentioned you know they're playing the Nuggets and you know Michael Porter Jr. getting that max extension. We we had talked about that a couple of weeks ago, and another thing I guess I was a bit naive about because I I think I said I think he'll get close, but I don't think he'll get it. And then come to find out, it was like, oh no, he's getting it. It's just you know what clauses are in there. So like the fifth year, I believe it's like thirteen million of it's guaranteed, but there's performance bonuses like if he makes an all-star get some other stuff where it becomes fully vested there's there's no like injury protection which was one of the things that people were looking for when it came to that but so he got the full ride on that and um the nuggets are saying our window is now and they are paying and it's something that you have to do in today's nba when you have that talent is you've got to protect it you got to keep it and that means it's going to come at a huge cost which means the luxury tax but they're going to pay it and they're saying this is our time and we're going for it. Yep. They're, that's literally, that's crystal clear um, for them to go out and pay a max extension to Michael Porter jr. Someone we know who has injury history. Uh, someone we know who has been somewhat of a, uh, you know, offensive player with defensive, uh, you know, incapabilities. Uh, somebody who literally has played you know, only what, let's see here. 116 games, 116 games. And he's played less than two seasons basically, but he's shown the talent because you're talking about a guy that's what six ten, six eleven, that has three point Mm -hmm. range, play a variety of positions. And if he actually tries defensively, you would think he could be a very good defensive player as well, but he brings so much to the table. And when he is on 
this makes a team so much more dynamic. And I think he's going to be asked for a bigger role, especially at the beginning of the season with Murray still out and who knows when he's coming back. Yep. Uh, the question is going to be once again, and not to get back on this topic, but will he get vaccinated? Yeah. And uh, he just signed this deal. So I'm sure that there is some nudging going on. Hint, hint, uh, nudge, as, nudge. I mean, as, I, I don't think any organization is going to fly out to him like, if you don't, you're not getting this. Yeah. But they're going to tell them, like, hey, we're trying to win here, and you're a big part of that. So could you please do this for, like, the organization and for your teammates? Yeah. And just back to, you know, the on-court portion, too. Um, it's interesting to me because now that you're seeing all these max extensions go to guys, max extensions, max extensions, to some guys that you don't think would get max extensions um, or – ones that you know are gambled on like you just mentioned though the nuggets are all in and that's why they're doing this and then you know we revisit you know moving him down the line if 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 something goes awry right but this is what the supermax has done the, the the supermax is now the new max and max extensions are more like lucrative paydays yes like um because it's coming so much more common and so much more common didn't i see something too where there was a report that said, because, you know, the NBA's TV deals are coming up here. Is it in a year, two years, something like that? But there was talk, too, like their rates are probably going to go up like 25% or more. And we're going to be looking at this like jump like, We were talking about like the salary cap within like five years could be like around $170 million. It's like, that's nuts. Yeah, I mean, that means if you go based on the rate that we have now and you talk about these Supermax deals, you think that, like, somebody making 50 mil is a lot. You're going to be talking in the 60s. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's you know? it's 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 getting up there. Well, the other thing is, too, and, and not to get deep in the woods on this, but I think with the next, you know, uh, negotiation between the Players Association and the league is got to be something where they deal with these supermaxes because it's based on tenure as well. And I think that's a tough thing where things are going to be talked about saying, okay, if we're going to keep a supermax deal, then we need to do it and pay somebody a supermax when they're deserving of a supermax based on the play on the court, because they're in their prime, because there are guys now who are finally eligible to get a supermax, but maybe they're just past their prime or, you know, like, I can use Chris Paul, okay? Chris Paul is still an exceptional basketball player. I don't think he's in his prime. I think he's just past his prime. And when you're talking about guys that get older, you kind of wonder, like, okay, when's that year going to be? Because they come out of nowhere. And I'm not saying it's going to happen for Chris Paul. I don't want it to happen for Chris Paul or anybody else. But you're always wondering that. I mean, guys are making the most amount of money they've ever made, and they're eligible for, but they're doing it a lot of times when they're already in their 30s. You know? So I think that's something that's going to be – Discuss. There's going to be a lot of discussion because there's just there's just so much money. I mean, look at the damn patches on everybody's jerseys. What was mm -hmm. the one like the Nets got like an investor group or whatever, and they're like, oh well, the money that they get from that is like three times more than what the Lakers are getting. And I'm like, and the Lakers get a pretty good one, you know, being the LA Lakers, you know. <laughs> so what was the Lakers group? It was like a a, a Korean um, goods website or something like that was it called bbgo or whatever and it's just like the the amount of money that's just available in the leagues it's just incredible it's it just is. incredible 
It is. It's a lot. It's a lot of dough. <laughs> it's a lot of dough. And Michael Porter Jr.'s got a lot of dough coming his way now. Sure does. Sure does. Um, a couple other things wanted to hit. Let's. You want to get to that lineup news? That you wanted to get. To? Yeah, because I was just trying to think of things that that, that stand out. Because you know, it's it's basically you know high school picture day. You yeah, know. media day. <laughs> media day. You rarely get the information that you're seeking out to get. You get a All lot right. of no comment. You get a lot of uh, positive can't vibes. Talk about on this. Someone literally flat out asked Cody Altman like. Oh, uh, so what do you think about trading for Ben Simmons? And I just started laughing. <laughs> I was like, they said they asked that on the record. That was awesome. Like, I started laughing so hard. But- By the way, speaking of that, what did you make of the whole Joe Lake up when he got asked that and he ended up getting fined $50,000? It wasn't a media day, but it was like about a week ago. Because if you mention a player that's not on your team, you can't do it. Right. You just can't do it. I Because, I mean, part of the thing there, too, because he was very blunt about it. And I think there might have been a mix-up by him about whether or not he thought he was on the record or not, yeah. because he flat out said, like, I don't think Ben fits our team. You know, it was very <laughs> honest. About it. I was like, wow, how about that? And I think, I think there God, was I appreciate a, the honesty. Yeah. I think there was a miscommunication with the person he talked to about on the record, off very, the record, uh, accessible to Mr. Lake. Well, I don't know if it was just like I said, a miscommunicate, like an honest miscommunication or, you know, or, um, somebody actually used something that they shouldn't have or whatever. But regardless, he was very frank and upfront about like Ben does what Draymond Green does. And we got Draymond, you know, for us. And then it cost him 50 K, you know, yep. I mean, <laughs> I mean, love the ethics of journalism. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, it can be very costly for not the journalist when it comes out of the well, journalist for access, uh, people in the organization and their wallet. It'd be um, awesome if, if Lakeup actually said, put me on the record and wanted to pay $50,000 to put that out there. Put me on the record just to quell all this stuff that, you know, whether or not he wants to come here or expectations yeah. for fans. I'll, I'll pay 50K to get this, you know, off my back. That'd yeah, be, it's like toilet that, paper. Yeah, sure. Why not? That'd be hilarious, you know, like 50K. I'm like, hey, if you just want to hand out $50,000, like I'll give you my Venmo account. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but. But I mean, when it comes to media day, like some of the stuff that I was trying to dig around for information as everybody was, you know, putting on their happy faces was like Jason Kidd, obviously the new head coach of the Dallas Mavericks, you know, talking about how Kristaps Porzingis will not be their starting center. And it looks like he will play the four with Dwight Powell at center, which I look at that and go, huh, I mean, I don't know about that one. You have such an advantage with Porzingis, you know, being the big guy and putting shooters around him and having Luca, and you know, we'll we'll see how long that lasts and if that works. If they're gonna do this, I think that, and he did say for now, right? Um, I'm curious to see. I, I think they still have Willie Cauley Stein, but I'm curious to see yep. what Moses Brown can do. Um, I think that's another guy to keep an eye on in Dallas if they give him the opportunity. Love Dwight Powell, but I think Dwight Powell is more of an energy type of guy. Uh, Moses was starting some games last year uh, and putting up some really solid numbers. Um, you know, we obviously need to put some meat on his bones this summer because he's a young guy. Uh, but I think that uh, Moses could definitely get some damage done in uh, Dallas if provided the opportunity. Now, 
Porzingis not being at the five makes sense from a perspective of he hates banging bodies. Like he hates banging with the bodies on the block. You can just see it. And you, there's like a ridiculous stat out there about how he hates posting up to like the shortest amount of time spent backing down um, or the, the shortest distance total in him backing down and getting to like the rim or something like that. Like, He'll have the ball, he'll post up, back a guy down for maybe a second or two, and then he'll turn around and shoot. Like, that distance between how far he moves bodies, how about that, is is the easier way to describe it. One of the smallest in the league, Uh, like, comparable to, like, guards. That's how bad it is with Porzingis and being on the block. So he makes more sense to put out on the perimeter, stretch the floor, um, fly in for offensive rebounds, what have you. Um, so in half court sets, maybe you don't give him the ball on the block because it's just not going to work. Um, defensively, that might be an advantage depending on what the matchup is, but it also might be a disadvantage because there could be a guy who's quicker. There could be a guy who's a, a three play in the four, uh, that can get by him. But Porzingis has decent recovery speed and can block shots as we know. Um, well, it's all going to be about like, um, what, what, what's the optimal lineup that makes them, you know, work on offense because are you clogging it up too much by having one less shooter and then defensively and we all know that you can mix and match but can Porzingis get back to the defensive player that he was in the bubble two seasons ago because can he, he should, stay healthy right can he stay healthy and can he improve defensively because that has been the problem around him because when he is healthy and it, when he plays well especially defensively then he is extremely good. And I think can be a really good fit with Luca. I'd probably say that this is his trial run with this new regime. Nico Harrison, Jason Kidd. We know that H-Bob is out. Uh, Arobolos Vulgaris, he's out now. Uh, We know that Donnie Nelson's out. Uh, It's a brand new, brand new, brand new uh, guys in charge here. Corrado Bob's just counting his Bitcoin right now. Yeah, certainly. <laughs> he Good for is. Him. He, made he is absolutely. He's a very, very smart guy. I mean, yeah. he's, trust me, financially, uh, he's not hurt one bit by all of this with him being out and the fallout that happened from that situation in Dallas. So, but I mean, that was one of the things that stood out. The other one, you know, when it comes to centers, and this is the complete opposite. You know, in L.A., where all the talk has been off season about what the Lakers lineup going to be, you know, now it's been part of the big conversation. Obviously, the other part is, can they work with Russell Westbrook as a part of it? But Anthony Davis more or less admitted, yeah, he's going to be playing a lot more at the five this season. The the expectation is going to be he will start at center. There will be some matchups where maybe Dwight Howard starts, um, but for the most part, it looks like he is going to be the starting center for the Lakers so they can maximize shooting. If you saw a picture, I saw a side-by-side of Anthony Davis from two years ago at Media Day to this week. He has put on some mass. So you can tell that he has prepared himself for the banging and the physical play of being the Lakers center. And I think some of that, too, is going to be more of an emphasis to not only play down low defensively, but also on offense. And while he can shoot and he can do all these great things, 
I do wonder if there's going to be more of an emphasis on him playing inside the paint and utilizing uh, his skills there. Okay. I'm curious to see it. I will say, you know, AD doesn't have to constantly be down there. Like, yeah. As long as you can do it for a few different possessions here and there, like it doesn't have to be his end all be all. I've got to turn into Shaq. Like, but it's nice to have that versatility as a big man to stretch the floor. But also, if there's a set that you want to be inside and, and back somebody down, then sure. Yeah. You know? I mean, they, they, they've got a versatile lineup. And, you know, the Athletic put a thing out there that theorized what their starting lineup would be. Um, and I say theorized, but they said they had talked to people and the believed starting lineup for the Lakers this season, as it stands right now, would be Russ, LeBron, AD, Trevor Ariza, who would be playing uh, uh, the three, and Wayne Ellington would be the starting shooting guard, which I get. I I wonder about the, especially the Ellington part, and I get that for shooting. Um, I saw something even I can't remember if it was Thursday or I mean Wednesday or Tuesday, but I saw something else, not from the athletic. I think it was from other place they were talking about like the Lakers depth and stuff. And they said, you know, Rondo probably not going to play much. He knows it. He flat out said it like, Hey, they want me to be on the bench the entire season. I get it. You know? Um, but they also said like, you know, when it comes to their depth at shooting guard, you know, or, you know, different positions, you know, because they've got uh THT and they've got uh, Kent Bazemore and all these different things. They're like, um, uh, one of the other guys that could be squeezed out and not played all is Malik Monk. And I'm sitting there thinking, I, Maybe you're right. I just don't see a scenario where Malik Monk is not playing regularly for that team. And I'm not exactly sure how Frank Vogel and his staff are going to fit that in, but it's just like he's one of the younger, more dynamic guys, and his shooting is on the rise. And I just look at this now, and who knows? I mean, it's still a lot to be worked out. But, uh, you know, that that's going to be interesting to see how that all happens, you know, because you've got a lot of names on that team. You know, and are you going to find playing time for at least 10 of them? Because it's going to be certain guys. I, I think DeAndre Jordan's the other guy, too, that he understands his role and he's probably not going to play every night. Um, and even when he does play, it's going to be very limited. You know, it's going to be more of a 80s taking a night off or somebody getting foul trouble situation for DeAndre Jordan to play. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's that's what Vogel and his staff get to deal with, you know? <laughs> yeah, true that. True that. You know? It's it's not. It's definitely uh, a little more difficult, I would say. To yeah. Uh... <laughs> you know what teams I like though are the teams where you don't hear anything about their media day. Like yeah, did you hear anything about the Phoenix Suns media day or the Milwaukee Bucks <laughs> media day? No, and it's no. great yeah, because it's... they're just quiet and you know, like so unassuming. Same with the Nuggets, like. Yeah. I mean, I mean we, we just talked about the Nuggets, but same time, like... We didn't talk about what they did at Media Day. Like, the Lakers are always going to have an emphasis because they're the Lakers and the expectations yeah. or whatnot. I mean, it's... I haven't said a word about the Clippers. A little bit different, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, Kawhi, you know, you know, did a sit-down and said, this is where I wanted to be. It's where I signed the extension. But, I mean, they're, they're flat out, no, like, he ain't playing this year. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody can sit here and talk about, like, well, if everything goes right, you know, maybe, maybe by the time... This, the maybe goes, that. No, 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 no. Now, <laughs> now with Golden State, you know, they've talked about Clay Thompson, 
And we've wondered like, could he be playing by Christmas? Right. And I, you know, I believe what they have said is we're looking in January. Yeah. Which smart. I do think though that they are saying that just to be on the safe side, which is a smart thing to do and the thing what you should do. I think they also have the goal of Christmas, if not sooner. I mean, Clay practiced for the first time on Wednesday. He mm-hmm. said he looked great. That does not mean like, oh, well, Clay's practicing. That means he's ready for the opening of the season. Eh, that's not going to happen. But I'm not going to be surprised if he, you know, is back on the court sometime around Christmas. Yeah. And I, and I hope so. I mean, I love watching Clay play. A couple of things I wanted to hit on, too, um, before we get into uh, Pau Gasol because I just wanted to touch on that too. Uh, There are a couple of things like, obviously, you know, these reports come out before media day and then everyone asks about them at media day. Uh, But John Wall actually showed up at at Rockets training camp and talked about what was going on with him and the Rockets on the record in front of cameras and all of that uh, with the organization. And you don't see that very often, like just that straight up honesty. Like, you know, like just talking to the, the media about what the team wants, what he wants, and it's cordial and it's mutual and respectful. And I just wanted to mention that because I think that, that that's a good sign. If that happens for another player, it's a good example to go by, I think. Absolutely. I mean, I give him all the credit in the world for showing up because say say what you want about John you know, in his game, but I mean, he's a pro and he's going to go out there and he's going to show up and he's going to talk about, and he's going to be honest and he's not doing anything that, uh, is behind the organization's back. I think he's working with them. They, they all understand where they're at with this. They all understand. So good for him for showing up and just, you want to ask me a question about it? I'll give you an answer. Yeah. And he's like totally, Embrace, he's still embracing until he does get moved. Like he's embracing, you know, the role that he has. Yeah, he's like, he I'm part of the Rockets. He's going to get out of the way because he knows the young guy to need the reps. Like he literally, like his quote was, My job here is to be a mentor, be a leader, try to teach these young guys how the NBA goes, be here, be a support system throughout the season. And we know that he's not going to suit up because he's not going to risk himself individually because he doesn't want to lose any money or any opportunity, you know, like, so he's going to be on the sidelines. He's going to be on the road. You don't see that very often with guys who ask out of organizations. Like this is a really healthy way to deal with it. And I think that that can be a blueprint and the standard setter going forward. As long as there's not any bad feelings harbored towards each each other. Yeah, I I agree. I don't think there are bad feelings. You know, I think, I think they're all being very professional about this and they understand where each side is coming from. So good for them for taking care of it the way that they are. By the way, the, the one big thing that did come out of media day that I somehow forgot to put like on a rundown was the revelation uh, during the Pelicans media day is they're just run, casually running down things like, Oh, by the way, Zion Williamson, um, he broke his foot and had surgery during the off season. <laughs> They're like, what, 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 what? You know, it's like. Just hit it away. Way to bury the lead here. Um, And they're they're saying like, he's going to be ready for the season and whatnot. But 
this is a major thing from a standpoint that this is a guy who I believe is on his fourth surgery now, and he's only been in the league for a couple of years. Now, mind you, some of these surgeries like high school, college, whatnot, but he's a guy that's what? Six, 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 seven. He plays at around 280, 290. There's a lot of mass that is on there. And, you know, he plays a game above the rim where he's coming down a lot on those knees and those feet, and taking a lot of punishment, you know? So it's something to watch for. And um, by the way, because of that, I'm sure because of that injury, I don't think he was able to train the way he wanted to this offseason because he was looking a bit large and in charge yeah. during media day. And I mean, I'm not trying to insult him or anything, but he looked heavy. And yeah. I think some of that is just because he was coming off an injury and he wasn't allowed, he couldn't train the way that he wanted to. So he's probably got some work to catch up on. And it's just kind of a thing to look out for when it comes to the Pelicans um, and, and Zion Williamson and his career going forward. Yep. And I'm uh, my, my favorite part of that was basically him shooting down a report that David Griffin played a piano for him. Oh, <laughs> hotel that was wonderful. Why couldn't that have been true? <laughs> it's nine o'clock on a Saturday. I was going to ask you, do you think that's what he was playing? <laughs> oh, my God. I love I love Griff. Do, too, do, but it I was, was just funny picturing yeah. that. I was, I was Griff, Griff like, was here in Cleveland. So like he could he could have just started like with a little piano man and just transitioned into like, don't stop me now from queen or something like that. Just pick up the pace, you know, just get the groove going there. You know, speaking of Pelicans, by the way, uh, Stan Van Gundy was on the Rex Chapman show. So make sure you check that out. That literally just dropped uh, a day before we recorded this podcast, actually. But I, I wanted to ask your opinion on this. Cause there was, a, this was another, it was a very relatively small part um, of, of the news that was coming out and stuff. But so a lot of people were asking, you know, because after Stan Van Gundy was on NBA TV, he was talking about how he thinks Nikhil Alexander-Walker could be that guy uh, can, to step up for the, the Pelicans as, you know, their two or their three. And he thinks that, like, he's due for a breakout year. And people were ask, people on Twitter were asking, well, why the hell didn't you play him then? <laughs> you, had, you had the ability to put Nikhil out there consistently, but you didn't. You played Eric Bledsoe instead. So what do you think about that? Does that show you anything? Does, is that, do you think, does that uh, demonstrate that, that maybe there was some directions coming down from the front office? Does that just show a lack of self-awareness? Or, or what do you think that uh, is about? I think there's a couple of things. One, uh, I think that is you've got to play this guy because he's making X amount of money. Part of it. Which is true pretty much everywhere except for in Cleveland, as we'll see this year. Right. And we don't want to take a chance on this young guy when we believe that we can make the playoffs this year. And we've already got, you know, Ingram and we got Zion and, you know, some other vets. And I think the other part of it, too, that I kind of wonder about just knowing Stan's track record is he might believe in a guy can break out. But at the same time, that doesn't mean he thinks that guy has earned playing time. And I say that because this goes back to a situation in Orlando when Stan was the coach there and they drafted JJ Redick. And there was all this talk, you know, coming JJ coming off a stellar career at Duke and everybody talking about, wow, look at this guy. And what's he going to bring to the table? And remember Stan didn't play him and he caught all kind of hell for that. And Stan basically told him like, until your defense is up to snuff, I am not going to play you. You are not going to get consistent playing time. 
and he made JJ improve on that end of the court. And that's how we got his playing time. Um, now, is that the right way to do it? Is that the wrong way to do it? I mean, that was his way of doing it. Um, but that's something that he has shown a record of doing before. It's like there might be something where he feels like, I think this guy's really talented, but he's not going to get consistent playing time until he does, you know, this, this, and this. Yeah. I, I It's just funny, you know, because I love Stan when he's on, uh, you know, in these analyst roles. Like he did a really good job for TNT. He's going to be the bubble. lead. He's the lead color guy now again for TNT. Yeah. Like, he does a tremendous job of that stuff, but it's just, it's mind blowing to me. <laughs> Stan's, Stan's a great Shame. guy. I mean, being around him, the little bit that I was in Orlando, um, I mean, Stan is, he's an extremely smart guy. He's very well educated. He can talk about a variety of subjects. Um, and he's just a really good dude. Um, I know people will have their opinions about him as a head coach, and I don't think he's going to be a head coach again, but I think he brings a lot to the table when it comes to, um, you know, his role as being an analyst and looking at the league. Mm -hmm. No, he's definitely smart. Um, He knows how to watch the game, how to play the game. So uh, a couple other things I want to hit here. I mentioned Gasol earlier. We'll get to that last, but uh, there is a NBA rules change. So we're getting rid of the out-of-bounds plays being reviewed in the last two minutes. The only way you'll be able to do that is via Coach's Challenge. Hallelujah. So uh, two minutes will no longer take 30 minutes. It will instead take 20 minutes. Right, because if a coach still has a challenge, and obviously they could challenge it there. The thing that, I mean, it's totally disrupted the flow of the game, so I'm glad that they did this. The one thing that... I don't know how you can get around that. I wish they wouldn't do is that whole thing where, because now we have so many different camera angles, you could break everything down frame by frame, like the Zapruder film, you know, where you're sitting and looking at it and like the ball looks like it went off this guy, but somehow this guy might've gotten just a fingernail on it. So it's a, I'm like, ah, I, that my favorite thing nuts. today that I've seen on <laughs> online. It's like the only way that that uh, NBA officials will, will look at out of bounds reviews, and they showed that you know that corny ass PSA of the coach. I touched it. I touched it, coach. <laughs> <laughs> and they just showed the picture of the kid. Uh, oh God! I was like, that's the uh, that's the way that uh, refs will be doing it, and uh, players will be doing it. They'll be very honest, I'm sure, in saying that they touched the ball before it went out of bounds. Yes, very honest. I'm, I'm sure they will all be very honest about, it. but like that, those drives me nuts. Where it's, it obviously went off somebody's like palm, and then another guy got like a fingernail on it. That, that or even, or it touches and, someone's shorts. Yes. Yeah, and I remember like that, that one. That, to me, that is not in the spirit of the rules of the game. It's it's like baseball. It's like the slide rule. Like oh. they beat the tag, but the guys. Overslid uh, the base by slid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. His hand That's goes off the bag. Not the spirit of the rule. Right. Yep. It yep. drives me nuts. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad that they're always doing this. So hopefully we can get a little bit of the flow of the game back. Like there's some other things I want to see them do too. Like the whole thing where they have to break down, like it's an offsides in soccer of was it a clear path or not? It's just like, do we really need to get out there and get that, you know, the fake yellow line where we're looking back like, here's the line. Was there anybody in front of him? You know, whatever thing. It's just like, can we just say it's 
It's referee discretion. And if somebody wants to blow a gasket about that every now and then, fine, whatever. But you know what? You put these refs in a position for a reason. There has to be at least some trust. And I think they can tell if something really is a clear path foul or not. Soccer is a really, really popular sport over in Europe. In Spain, too. And that's our final cue there. Pau Gasol, uh, evidently, at least according to Mark Stein of Substack, is going to announce his retirement on Tuesday, next Tuesday. So uh, if this is the case, the 41-year-old will go down in history with many accolades that I'm sure uh, will be shown all around social media, TV, and whatnot, because Pau Gasol is... An international superstar. Um, and it's, uh, you know, surprising that, you know, he went this far in his career, to be honest with you, because, uh, you know, it just seems like uh, he didn't really, quote unquote, go out on top like a lot of guys did. Um, he, and he hung around. But Powell was a, a tremendous talent. Um, you know, if, if you know, want to do a referendum on his career, I remember him being in Memphis and uh, tall, skinny dude, no beard, none of that. Uh, and just shooting the lights out of the ball. Amazing hook shot, uh, great passing skills. Um, and, and that was all before he ended up getting traded over to the Lakers. And then that's when a, a lot of people really came on to Pau Gasol and, you know, obviously had a tremendous relationship with Kobe. He had those teams, uh, you know, with Phil Jackson in the late 2000s. Um, and it was really a solid, solid franchise. And, you know, Powell, you know, did his damnedest to to stick around, but the injuries ke- uh, kept up with him. But a, a, a tremendous talent and someone with probably the best touch for a big man uh, a, a, among a very, very small crowd um, and really going to going to miss watching him. Uh, I mean, again, we haven't watched him play play probably. I'd say probably since he left Chicago, he had a, a year or two in San Antonio that he was was um you know decent but the real Pau Gasol uh those those last you know two years in Chicago was was when he really uh was good there in the mid 2010s uh but but still weird uh as a basketball fan for someone who grew up watching him and uh knowing that he's going to be done I can tell you this as a Laker fan I remember getting the news back in 2000 nine that he got traded from the Grizzlies to the Lakers. I about did a cartwheel because I was so excited and I just knew what getting him was going to do to that team. It, it the team that already had Kobe Bryant, but a team that had been kind of floundering around and, it, you know, it wasn't long before that where, you know, Kobe almost left and he almost went to the Clippers and, you know, the ownership had said, stick around, trust me. You know, Dr. Jerry Buss was still there and he said, trust me, we're going to turn this thing around. And I don't think anybody saw that coming, that they could get Pau Gasol. And um, they were just an awesome one-two punch. I mean, there, there's so many different pictures and videos of Kobe being so hard on Pau. But I think Pau appreciated it because it pushed him to the next level. Um, he might not have liked it in the moment sometimes, but I, he appreciated it. And he talked about how close 
you know, he and Kobe grew to be, um, you know, they went back to back titles in 2009 and 2010. Um, the 2010 finals, quite honestly, Kobe was named the, the, the MVP of the finals that should have gone to Pau Gasol <laughs> flat out. I mean, um, Pau Gasol is one of the, to me, he is one of the more underrated players that we've seen over the last 15 years in the NBA, because I don't think I'm not saying he was the most dominant guy or anything like that, but I don't think his name comes up enough for what he has been able to do for a big guy who, while he wasn't shooting threes, but he had range, he was great defensively um, and his passing touch. Um, he could run. There were so many different skill sets. And on top of that, Pau Gasol is one of the smartest and nicest guys you will ever meet and ever cover. A guy that is incredibly considerate, uh, a guy that treated media very fairly. Um, I know that he treated me very fairly, and there's plenty of other stories of people that are around that love having conversations with Pau. Um, a very um, charitable person as well. You know, he did so much work out in LA for the children's hospital there, which is one of the decisions that, you know, one of the reasons why it made him tough when he left LA. Um, remember, this is a guy whose parents were doctors and, or are doctors, and he almost became a doctor and instead decided to pursue a career in the NBA. And, um, but enjoyed it so much that he literally, there's a video of this, of him getting to stand in on a surgery, like watch a doctor put together like this incredible back surgery to where they let Powell look at the film and Powell pointed something out and the doc goes, you're right. And he basically saved, helped save this guy's life or save it to where this guy could walk again. That's crazy. I didn't even know that story. Yes. So, I mean, <laughs> Powell is just, an, he's an incredibly smart guy, but he's just, He's a very nice guy. He's always a very thoughtful guy, very meaningful guy, um, smart with what he did on the court as well, um, but just an incredible talent. And, um, you know, it's it's sad that he is leaving the game, but, you know, it's time for him. I think he would have liked to his last couple of years, obviously, to be a little bit better and have a little bit more of a role. Um, there was a time there, I think, even over the last year or two, where he thought maybe he would go back to L.A. and could – end his career with the Lakers. It just did not work out and injuries did catch up with him, but I don't think it diminishes anything on his career. And this is a guy between what he did in the NBA and because of his international play that he will be in the hall of fame and he deserves it. No question. Say he's doing doctor things. He's a surgeon. He was a surgeon with those feet on the floor in that, in that uh, painted area. No question. He got buried yeah. over the last couple of years. Amazing face-up jumper guy, too. Yeah. That, I could talk that, about his. I could talk about his game all day long. One of the things I, I always it. loved with, with Pal is people wondered if he was like emotionally invested in games or not. And I remember when they were like some really big games and he would get fired up. And this is like when he had long hair as well. Pal Gasol, red faced, fighting in the paint, running down the court, fist pumping. That was awesome just because otherwise he was just kind of like a little monotone sometimes in games. But when he got going, man, you had those games, man, and the emotion really started coming out. Well, he was fired up, man. It was, it was awesome. No question. No question. Before you uh, hold up your end of the bargain. Okay. Yeah. 
By the way, guys, remember, this is Keeping It 94. Spencer Davies, Brian Fritz. You can find me on Twitter at Spin Davies. You can find him on Twitter at Brian Fritz. You can find me on Instagram at Spin Davies. You can find him on Instagram at It's Brian Fritz. Remember, of course, we are part of the basketballnews.com podcast network. Whole lot of good stuff for you to listen to. I just told you about the Rex Chapman show. They just had Stan Van Gundy on. So make sure you listen to that episode's brand new. Neat and Unfiltered with Kenya Martin. Dishes and Dines with the Ladies. The Rematch with Aton Thomas. The Dunker Spot, back with a new season. Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr. just had a new episode come out, so make sure you listen to that. The Alex Kennedy Podcast with Alex Kennedy. The Sheridan Show with Chris Sheridan. The Follow Through with Clips and Drew. And, of course, NBA Top Shot Weekly with Oliver Maroney and Alex Kennedy as well. So make sure to like, subscribe, rate, review. Do whatever you want to do, but just interact with those podcasts. Do the same for us because we want to continue growing this thing. We're technically going to be in season two once the regular season starts, I think, basically. Um, It won't be a year until we get into January of 2022, but that's beside the point. We're still going. We're like nine months in, and we're still going, and we're making it. Basketballnews.com, incredible content for you. Great story there on the front page by James Posey about rings culture. We did uh, some features on Media Day. James Harden by Moke Hamilton. Uh, Kemba Walker as well by Moke Hamilton. Uh, Nikias Duncan has uh, great stuff on Courtney Vandersloot's amazing uh, night for the Chicago Sky. The other game in the playoffs, uh, Atan Thomas, I just mentioned he has the rematch. He interviewed Rick Buecher, and he presented an amazing case for Damian Lillard to never leave Portland. Another thing to uh, definitely keep an eye on. So that's just a little taste. That's a little taste of what comes on basketballnews.com. I know you'll enjoy it, especially if you're a basketball fan. So check it out. And again, check us out. Like, comment, subscribe, rate, review. I'm stalling for Brian so he can start learning these lyrics. This is exactly what I'm doing. Well, I'm talking. <laughs> I, have a couple of, I have a couple of questions, okay? Yeah. Uh, I have found... You better superimpose the music into this podcast. Uh-huh. While well, I don't know it. if I can because of copyright, but... Um, <laughs> Well, see, here's one of the problems. So I found two different songs. So tell me which one it is, okay? Or yeah. which one you want me to use? Because I found a Cleveland Browns fight song that starts with hi Ohio for Cleveland. hi <laughs> Ohio. Yes, uh, for the greatest team in the land. I guess it's a, like the song was created in 1946. Oh, no, no, no. I've also found... Here We Go Again by okay, Michael Stanley. I, okay, I have Here We Go Again with the lyrics. And yeah. singing from so Michael Stanley, by the way, the, the, the late great Michael Stanley, may I mind you, I actually used to work with Michael Stanley. He just passed oh, wow. away actually a few months ago um, with his uh, cancer battle, but he is actually a local uh, legend around these parts. So okay. we love Michael Stanley uh, and he created this song. So, uh, so I will sing. I don't think I don't think I could play this on here, but I will sing along and everybody can just imagine the music. Um, I want to warn everybody, not only have I never heard this song before, and we'll see how it goes. I am a horrible singer. I mean, uh, horrible. I will let Brian take this home. I'm going to shut my mic off, and I'm going to say hi to you guys for the next episode of Keep It at 94. Enjoy this wonderful masterpiece. And since my Bears lost to the Cleveland Browns, this is the Browns fight song. Here we go again. Michael Stanley and the Cleveland Browns All-Star Band. Here we go. 
It was 1950 in the cold and rain when my father took me to my very first game. So the Browns are going to show you how the game is played. Here we go again. 55-64. You can find the trophy, the old lake shoot. Now the orange and brown are coming back for more. Here we go again. Sorry, I'm butchering it. Here we go again. Go again, it's the Cleveland Browns and it's first and ten. So get on your feet, let the games begin. So here we go again. Do I have to keep going? <laughs> pound down, pound and the cardiac kids. We're gonna make Oh we go again. That's why I missed that one. So get out your colors and wear the proud, cause the boys are back and we can rock this town. Well, so let them all hear you shout out loud. Here we go again. Here we go again. It's the Cleveland Browns and it's first and ten. So get on your feet and let the games begin, cause here we go again. Thank you, Cleveland Brown fans. That is going to be remembered forever, and I'm going to be hearing about that for the rest of my life. So I hope you enjoyed that. And I know Spencer is thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. Cleveland Browns, here we go again.